This month on Let's Talk In Depth, our guest is somebody who featured in episode four, Young People, Body Image, and Hashtag Social Media. Suku Sukunason's an expert researcher in applied social technology at Swinburne University, and you may have seen him recently on the news. Suku has been doing some eye-opening research into how social media is affecting people's mental health, particularly young people. What he's found is that there's an eating disorder hidden network operating right under our noses on almost all social media platforms. He describes it as a bottomless pit where kids put themselves at more risk of harm from an eating disorder. And a trigger warning, this episode contains talk of predatory behaviour. My name is Suku Sukunason. I'm a senior lecturer at Swinburne University. I work um, in the area of social media uh, analysis and analytics. Predominantly, my work uh, involves understanding what platforms do and how uh, people or users of the platform engage. Um, and so this would include a range of tracking, understanding hashtags, hashtag morphs, uh, how people engage uh, with one another on a platform. You're quite interested in how these platforms are affecting people's mental health. Is that right? Yes, correct. We find that um, mental health issues are more expressed by people freely uh, on social media as opposed to in normal conversation. And this has become a major platform or I would say forum where people happily share and, and, and just pour out things. We find this as a, a, a data mine to actually help and an opportunity to do intervention if possible. Now, these are all things that could be done. Yeah. There's a growing body of evidence that young people at risk of body image issues and eating disorders are deeply affected by social media, with their symptoms worsening with increased use. Through his work, Suku's been in contact with a lot of people who are in charge of these social media platforms, and he says that it's something they're aware of. I would say there, are, there have been some... Um, reactive measures taken by platform um, with certain sort of uh, messaging or standard messaging. But in a lot of the cases, there are a lot more work that could be done. Are you able to give us a general idea of what you're hoping to do with some of the major platforms, what you hope they will start to do? Um, I'm hoping that uh, the platforms would have a more structured approach in addressing mental health and the nuances of mental health. I would say everyone at some point in time would then express a certain type of issue. Um, and if platforms could actually address that or triage it in a, in a proper way, aligning themselves with uh, the right bodies like, you know, SANE or um, Lifeline or National Butterfly Organization, um, things like this, then you have a stru structured approach and triage to actually help those who are seeking help. So is there, at the moment, is there like a clinician, a mental health clinician uh, or, or any kind of training for clinicians to help them navigate social media to kind of, because these two areas seem like they should be working together? In the sense that um, I would say clinicians are not really trained with this, uh, but yes, there's a willingness, um, I, I say, to understand what is going on. Uh, but it is, uh, you're right, it's actually hugely different. Um, I don't think so uh, part of any university structure or training to train clinicians professionally has ever included uh, social media or understanding 
of what go- is going on within the social media platforms. Well, it seems like these things aren't going away, right? We need to we need to deal with them. There's no chance that we can just shut them down because they're a little incubator for for mental health conditions. <laughs> You're absolutely true. Um, it is just going to grow. Um, we are seeing a growth in a range of uh, types of applications that we get and the platforms that are coming through. Yeah. And so this is a bigger problem that is growing um, and needs addressing, um, and we need to address it very quickly. I think we spoke a little bit about a correlation between eating disorders in young people and the use of social media. What have you seen from your research that that sort of links these two things? There are multiple um, factors and variables which are involved here. Um, One is just the growth of uh, the number of applications uh, that social media has to offer in the sense that how catchy they are. And it is very attractive for young kids to use them. Now, given that these applications, you can you can start using them the moment you have internet access. So uh, kids are just open to uh, hundreds and thousands of these applications. Um, and there's no parental control. Um, and with mental health issues, uh, when you... Uh, some of the suggestive algorithms that these uh, platforms actually have, if you search for a content, uh, if it's, let's say, it's depressive content, um, more likely the next time you you are on the platform, uh, the platform will suggest to you more depressive contents. Um, so there's no supervision in here. Right. Um, so this is challenging, yes. Okay. And so... Um... In terms of the way kids use it when they may be suffering from an eating disorder, that's something that could possibly make it worse. Yes, correct. Um, it, you might find that they actually spri- uh, uh, it's a downward spiral, I would say, because uh, eating kids with eating disorder or uh, who represent some sort of mental health um, uh, would probably turn into social media for support and also to look for uh, like similar people um, where they actually care and share emotionally support. Uh, But then what you find is uh, they might be reinforcing each other. And without proper supervision or the right intervention by platforms, uh, you find that they are just triggering each other um, and making themselves even more riskier to eating disorders. So, so it can kind of become almost a competitive kind of a, a, a process where kids compare each other and then, um, you know, want to aspire to be like someone else. Yeah, Sam, you're right. I mean, they might actually share images. Uh, they might share tips. Uh, what are the techniques that you actually, uh, what, what other techniques that I don't know? Do you have any ideas? So I've seen this sort of discussion going on. Um, and to some extent that there are uh, people coaching them or willing to become a buddy or a mentor. Wow. Uh, and it's almost like uh, sharing services. Well, this is quite a disturbing kind of a thing. It's almost like a, a dark web for people to go on where they use certain hashtags to connect with other people. Am I on the right track here? Yes, you're correct. So um, a lot of discussions um, are coded in that sense, in this uh, sort of tribal communication approach. And hashtags and wording they use uh, starts to move around. And then there's people who, who like to offer services, look for these hashtags and then connect to this community. Wow. Okay. And so these, these hashtags 
um, and I don't think we should probably mention them by name, if that's all right. Yes. <laughs> is that a wise thing to do, or do you think that we should be getting these things out there so that the authorities should know what they are? There's a thin line there, Sam. You're so correct. I mean, um, to talk about this openly, um, uh, to some extent, we still have a stigma in the community to actually talk about these things. But I think um, authorities uh, should know, um, and platforms uh, should know, um, and clinicians should know. Uh, and because uh, these are the people who are involved, and more so parents should know. So, I mean, we are talking about young kids who shape our nation's future. And so, in some sense, we've got more responsibility here to do. Especially when we're talking about young, vulnerable people, more needs to be done. And you said that the platforms need to intervene at some point. Uh, and we know that they intervene in, in you know, political discussions and in many other ways. Yep. Is the intervention there when it comes to eating disorders? Uh, I would say, yes, uh, there's been a growing um, sort of actually uh, steps taken by certain platforms. So some hashtags um, are automatically barred. Uh, but then the problem is um, they are text-based. So, for example we would like to bar the word ABC, uh, what then users start to do is they start to use double A or double B, then it becomes AABC, which still then uh, becomes part of the conversation and still allowed and it's not banned. Yeah. So there needs to be a bit more intelligence in understanding this. That well, and I can remember being a kid as well. If the teachers tried to shut something down, you'd find a way to do it. Absolutely. So um, I mean, so so what what can they do then? What can these platforms do? I think we need to actually be a bit more intelligent and take a take a step back. Um, and our objective as a platform um, or to address this issue should not be banning them, but then should be educating them. So we need to take a softer approach, but a longitudinal view that we could actually help them out with structured interventions. Okay. Um, and, and this is what a lot of my work uh, is tailored to or hoping to, yeah. Are you able to give us an idea of what that might look like? It might look like uh, when someone is engaging in a discussion that you find that uh, is presented to us as risky, uh, then the platform should take immediate measures to then intervene uh, to send an in, some sort of information, um, inviting them uh, or offering them help. And this then would be then triaged um, in a very structured manner, involving the right organizations and clinicians to be supporting the work. Um, and this is where the tricky part comes in. How do you resource this and how do you resource clinicians and how do you train clinicians to support in the cyber psychology uh, warfare, if I actually call it, if I could? Um, and this is going to be the next five to 10 years, what we're looking at. In your discussions that you've had with the, the major platforms, this is something that they would like to address? Is there any reluctance? There's willingness to address this, uh, but uh, as I think as, as all platforms, um, they are there as a financial, um, with a financial mind, I think that the entity is to actually grow business um, and to make revenue. And hence, this sort of agenda is perhaps, um, I don't know, uh, further lower uh, in their priority list. Also, I think there was a, a point that I wanted to touch on where we, we know that kids are vulnerable to mental health. And when they go online, they can become vulnerable to that becoming worse. 
but they're also vulnerable in another way in, with with people who want to take advantage of these hashtags. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So um, when when young kids feel isolated from their immediate community, uh, which is a physical community, uh, they tend to gravitate towards online uh, to actually find support or find people who they can seek comfort in. But what happens is within the eating disorder environment, you have people who would then take advantage of these young kids who are feeling vulnerable and depressed. And the way they do that is by offering their services to uh, coach them or to mentor them uh, so they can even become thinner or find ways to actually uh, do things. Um, and this is a bit more sinister because what we have seen is uh, these people who want to take advantage of them by the reports that we have actually seen are middle-aged men who would like to prey on young kids. Um, so this would mean grooming, uh, very predatorial sort of behavior. Uh, in some instance, we have heard some studies from Netherlands that I'm sort of actually connected to that they've actually uh, engaged in sexual uh, harassment uh, and rape. Wow. That's really, that's quite staggering that that's happening. It, how, like, whereabouts are these cases happening and how, how widespread is this? Now, this is actually quite widespread. So uh, in my initial analysis, just on uh, Twitter data, I found that um, there's a huge request. Uh, just on Twitter alone, which is one single platform, we have about 300 requests a day. Um, and this is actually huge when you look at the number of platforms or the number of channels that we could actually have. And so um, when, when, when kids approach these platforms uh, without any supervision or actually intervention, you find this is a, a major issue. And most of these studies um, has been done with a human trafficking group uh, in Netherlands whom I'm actually in contact with right now in hope that we would actually find some solution for this. Have people been prosecuted for predatory behavior in this way? It would be hard to actually share some of this uh, some of this information because some of them are classified. Uh, but what I could actually say is there's some um, cases being investigated um, at this moment. But I would actually say this is actually quite rife given that in, in one platform, if I can say there's 300 requests a day, uh, then you could see uh, how many platforms we have and uh, the issues involved. So some of the complexities with the platforms are people switching accounts. Uh, you know, you can close down your account or you can have multiple accounts on one platform with different names. So it becomes very tricky even at a platform level. Well, well, that is that is quite staggering. And do you think this is something that um, Australian authorities know enough about or are aware of? Uh, I'm not too sure, really. I doubt if this uh, has been uh, a major issue uh, or uh, an issue which is actually taken, you know, their attention or obtained their attention. Really, I'm not too sure, but. Um, what what remains is there needs to be a lot of awareness um, and discussion at a very high level that we could actually uh, do policy and make policy in a sense that we could protect uh, young children um, from this. All right, Suku, well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for the opportunity. It was good actually chat and talk about this. 
For any concerned families, Butterfly has done some really good work on supporting kids' resilience to the messaging that they might see on social media. Some of the suggestions include making use of privacy settings, block, mute, restrict or unfollow triggering accounts, delete and restrict unhelpful interactions or posts, filter out offensive words and phrases, turn off notifications, make real connections and avoid the pitfall of comparison, report bullying or predatory behaviour. I've put a link to a really helpful fact sheet in our show notes. And for more resources, check out butterfly.org.au. And remember, help is available for anyone struggling with an eating disorder through the Butterfly Helpline on 1-800-ED-HOPE. That's 1-800-334673. And another contact that I want to put out here is the eSafety Commission, esafety.gov.au. It's an organisation dedicated to empowering all Australians to have safer, more positive experiences online. And it's also where you can report online abuse. If you like this episode of the Butterfly Podcast, you might want to write a review, leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it. And remember, as always, please share it with a friend. I'm Sam Iken. The Butterfly Podcast is an Iken Media production for Butterfly Foundation. <laughs>